Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things. I'm the Hi. Hello. Hi, Sindarin. Hello. Why did this episode take so long to do? Shannon, there's a couple of reasons. Do you want me to do them in order? <laughs> okay, sure. Go ahead. Should give I go us, over them in the order? Rundown. Yeah. Okay, so originally when we wanted to record, that was Tuesday the 3rd. I just came back from ESL, which I did in Germany, and I hadn't played Dota for like a week. And uh, Dire Tide had mm-hmm. come out. So I was like, Shannon, we shouldn't record yet. Let me play Dire Tide first. So I actually know what Dire Tide is about because that's going to be a big talking point. You were like, sure. Then you had to go to the summit. So then you were at the summit for five days, I want to say. A week. About a week, yeah. Then you came back. And then we were going to record Tuesday. And then I flat out just fucked up. No excuse on that one. I just fucked up and wasn't here yesterday. So that's 100% my bad. But now we're here today, and that's what's important. You know, I've never had a more awkward stream where I'm waiting for somebody to come online. The chat (laughs) only cares about the other person. They're waiting for that person to show up. And I'm like, huh. Well, I've texted him on WhatsApp. I've texted him on Discord. I've called him on WhatsApp. I don't know what else to do, guys. I'm going to bed. And right when I get in bed... Who messages me other than Cinderin <laughs> saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You deserve better than me. I, I will watch In Bruges. Okay, I promise that is... you. Right, actually, some it. of that sentence was true. I, <laughs> some of the excerpts were actually happening yes, yes. in that text. Yeah. No, that fucking sucked. Like, basically, basically, we got out of the groove and the rhythm a little bit, right? Because of this traveling and these events. And I just missed it, man. I actually just missed an episode. It's pretty bad. You did. I felt really bad. Good. I, I heard you bad. streamed all day feeling real bad. Yeah, I mean, what was I supposed to do? Force you to come out of bed? I was the one who missed See, it. I, I have a theory. I think you're trying to profit off of not showing up by having people uh-huh. donate and subscribe to you because they were looking for you missing from the podcast itself. Do you see the connection? I definitely see that connection. All right, it makes great. no sense, though. Perfect. Okay, so let's uh, let's start the episode out because the intro section might be a bit long. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, let's do the patron shout-out first. Uh, the In Bruges tier. Uh, you know what? You get to do all of it today because you missed the episode yesterday, Cinder. Oh, so now you're making demands. Yes. I mean, I don't mind. I can do it every time. Do it. I love talking about, oh, how many have testicle in them now? <laughs> oh, yeah, only two. Okay. Actually, three, kind of, depending on interpretation. All right. So, in Bruges tier, big thanks, as always, to our biggest supporters on Patreon. Some of you have changed your names. We've got Shakar, 
Boyko, Ustavko, Moutro, Moutro. An anemone in anonymity is an enemy and an anomaly. Fab Daddy, the Megapope, TI in New Zealand, Zan Xavier, P- Sunsfan Pudge, Omegalol, Nate Thicko, Zero One Hamscroats, brother to the great OG Jesticles Hamscroats. Bacon, no, not that bacon, the other bacon. A video from National Geographic where Nico Baby's testicle is placed gently on top of a gorilla's face. Lick, <laughs> Shark TM, fresh seasoned gold, freshly seasoned goat balls. Change will happen. Comrade Dimitri Valdizal, the Ben Jackson and Ben Broomhead Alliance. Novi Panda, Dop, Marek Zegarek, Fine, or Fane, underscore man. We give permission for the Ben Alliance to raise podcast awareness by invading and occupying neighboring nations and villages. Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Duntalk, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous, and Ronnie Keel. It's nice how we have like this section of people that change names to all weird shit. And there's always these five or six stable people in the end that's just kept it the whole time. Yes, just remember, you guys are <laughs> emotionally and mentally stable, unlike the people that change their names to Nico's baby's testicles are gent- gently placed on top of a gorilla's face. That yeah. is... That is in the Hall of Fame so far. That's definitely top 10 of best names we've seen. Uh, but I know you guys can do even better. So we're looking forward to that. But thank you, as always, for being a part of the In Bruges tier and everybody else that's part of our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash we say things. Okay, Cinderin. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be the section. I'm sorry for people that are watching live, but on YouTube, there are timestamps. So you feel free to skip this part. NBA basketball. Yes. All right. So the NBA is coming back December 22nd, I do believe. The draft somehow is in a week, November 18th. And then randomly the trade deadline or the trade moratorium begins or ends. I can't remember the fucking terminology. Two days later, which is really weird. Because most trades occur on draft day, Cinder. I know this is very mind-boggling to you. But I do want to talk about one very important trade speculation rumor that we're hearing about involving the Phoenix Suns, the only undefeated team in the bubble. We would have been NBA champions if they just let us fucking play basketball. But, of course, the NBA is rigged, as we all know. We've established that from time to time. So there's this player named Chris Paul. Have you heard of him? Yes. Are you lying? He makes, uh, he makes uh, R&B music, right? Okay. Have you seen State Farm Wait, commercials? No, you guys that's get Chris, State Farm that's there? Chris Brown, right? I, I honestly Close couldn't enough. even tell you. Do you get State Farm commercials in Denmark? No, but I do follow Aaron Rodgers on Twitter, so I've seen some there. That's true. He is part of that. He as plays well. the other sport, the better one. Okay. Anyway, Chris Paul is a very interesting individual. He is a point guard, very, very good at basketball. His contract is enormous, but he only has two years left. He's injury prone and he's old. He's already 35 years old that's old in the that's literally my age but apparently it's ancient in basketball but he is rumored to be traded soon if they agree to terms for two players on the suns named ricky rubio and kelly Oubre jr and a lot of this very mixed emotions on the phoenix suns subreddit cinderin but i have to tell you 
I am personally very excited if this goes through. We get a clear upgrade at point guard, somebody that can defend and actually shoot the basketball. We will make the playoffs next year if we do this trade, unless he gets injured a day into the season, which is also a remote possibility. What do you, you think the Suns should do, Cinderin? I'm really excited, too, because I want you to be happy. And this sounds like something that genuinely has you excited. So I'm excited for you. I'm going I don't to watch, believe you. I'm going you to watch all of none of the games. But Thank I you. will hope you win. If Actually, you cared I about hope... anything that I wanted, then you would have watched Bruges by now. You would have watched it a year and a half later. Uh, see, here's the thing. That's what you think. But if I had watched it early on, you wouldn't really have cared about it very much. Now you mm. care about it a lot because it's become a thing. Right? No, I only have your own best interests at heart. Believe me. I, I do it for you. I don't Thank watch you. the movie you love for you. <laughs> Is that what you tell all your family and friends, your girlfriend, <laughs> whenever they want something from you? Like, I don't do it because I love you. Yes. I do it for you. I don't and the clean moment, the bathroom the moment... because of you. The moment you get people to believe it, that is when you have one life. <laughs> well, you need to hang around more low IQ people then, I suppose, because I ain't buying it, Cinderin. But anyway, finishing up on this thought, it is a bit risky for the Suns to do this, but the problem is in a couple years, if we're not making the playoffs still, Devin Booker will leave. We have to do something somewhat risky like this, and this will definitely put us in a better trajectory. And again, it's only two years of... Red He's getting paid literally $40 million a year. It is redonkulous amounts of money. But it's still worth it for us. We need somebody like that in our team, I think. How? So, yeah. What's the budget of a team like yours? Ooh, uh, well, it's a little bit hazy right now because of uh, COVID, so they're really hard to project mm -hmm. what the cap is going to be. But, And I'd have to look to know the exact amount, but... I. I want to say the whole team is maybe around 130, 120 million, something like that. So he's a third of the team. Yes. But you can you can go over the cap, okay. you just pay more in luxury tax. So it just becomes more expensive. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So and then of course there's only so much money you can give a certain individual as well. But he's been in the mm -hmm. league for so long and he's played at such a high level that he gets like the literal max you can make, which is basically a third or even more of the team. So Damn. Yeah, so we'll see if that happens. Um, that is Suns basketball. Okay, second thing that is also me talking. Uh, this one won't be as quite as long. This is for the people that this is Suns fan recommends, of course. By the way, you should probably think of stuff for you to recommend. Do you do anything other than play Dota that you can recommend to somebody at some point? Be great to get your voice in on this at some point in this podcast. It'll be mm. literally every week. I don't do as much new stuff as you do, that's for sure. I, I don't do anything new, though. I just read books and watch movies. Yeah, I don't do that either. Yeah, okay. So going back to the books, <laughs> for those that don't remember, I recommended Stormlight Archives, one of my favorite series of all time. People that like fantasy, they like the hero building, um, things like, again, my roots, Harry Potter is what got me into fantasy to begin with. I would recommend another book recommended to me, by the great Brax, which we will also talk about a little later. Uh -huh. He recommended a series called The Cradle, and I think I like it more than Stormlight Archives. It's incredibly good. It's eight books. The last two are coming out next year, but they're actually pretty short. They're like 200, 300 pages each, so they're actually pretty digestible. 
but I would say that this, I like it better than Stormlight because it's, well, it's shorter. It's going to be less detailed, but there's more points in the book where, like, even in Stormlight Archives and these books that I really like, there's parts that I zone out. I don't know if you get like this for even the stuff that you're interested in. Like, okay, I don't, I literally don't give a shit about this character. Get this chapter over with. I get that a lot. But for Cradle, that literally didn't happen one time. So highly, highly recommend that series. Okay. So with that, Cinderin, let's get started with the actual episode. Can I just say before we get started that in our outline, this had me chuckle. It literally says Suns fan recommends Cradle. I was like, that's a good recommendation. I think everybody should have a Cradle. I'm a bit disappointed now that you weren't telling a story about how you have a cradle and it's amazing. The fuck would I have a cradle for? Put your kit- kittens in or something. That's true. They would like that. Yeah. Rockabye kitten. Sunspan recommends cradle. I try. So actually, for those that don't know, again, this is part of the Patreon tier, not to sell out some more. There's a Patreon tier that says, I think it's the second highest, sneak peek. You guys get to look at the outline. Sometimes I put stuff in and I make it very vague so that Cinderin has no fucking clue what it is. And this is one of them. Um, and occasionally I do troll him, but that's, that's a great. Bit more uncommon. Okay. So, ES, this, again, this is going to be a two weeks worth of episode. I don't think it's going to be super long, but uh, ESL1 Germany ended Cinderin. Yep. Team Liquid came out on top. They beat Team Secret. Well, first of all, Mud Golems beat Team Secret. 2 0 mm-hmm. in the upper bracket. And then Team Secret got knocked down to the lower bracket, beat Alliance, and then lost to Team Liquid, who just ran out the lower bracket completely after going out in the first round. And they ended up yep. beating Navi 3 1 in the finals. What did you think of uh, that performance? It was actually, it was a really interesting tournament to cover because, like, the storyline for the last half year has been Secret beats everybody who's getting second place. Mm. And then Secret actually lost something. So that already in itself made it a very unique tournament. Um, But then the fact that not only did Secret lose, but technically the top three were not even projected to be in top three, any of the three teams. The finals was Liquid versus Na'Vi. Na'Vi who have not really had a relevant top placing in any international tournament for years, it feels like, or very few anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Mud Golems, which is a new stack with Fata as captain, those two teams got top three, which was kind of crazy. Like, they knocked out the teams that were knocked out by these teams were like, no, like, it wasn't small squads that got knocked out. OG got knocked out. Nigma got knocked out. Secret, Alliance, all of the big teams were knocked out. And the best placement for all of the big ones was Secret getting fourth. So, kind of crazy stuff. It was really cool to see the other teams catching up and playing a lot better. And,. I'm very happy for uh, for Liquid for finally winning a tournament with this roster. It's been a long time coming, and especially happy for my boy Koikva, of course. Uh, Koikva. Super good stuff from him. He played really, really well this tournament. I think he very much deserved it. Like, the whole team played super well. Um, so, yeah, that was really I had, cool. I have a general question for you uh, based on the performances that we saw. So, Mud Golems, you mentioned Fata being the captain. Do yeah. you think, and they beat Secret 2-0... How much do you think Fata's experience on Secret with Puppy played a part in them winning? Do you think that that matters a lot, or is it mm. kind of just whatever? I like, think I know it's, it's been it's been a lot of patches, right? Since right. then, but 
he was with them for long enough that I feel like he could have picked a few things up at the very least, right? Maybe. It's still a long time ago. Uh, I think... I think more than anything, they did their stuff well and won with that more than they specifically tailored a strategy around beating Secret. They kind of picked similar stuff to what they had picked so far in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And if anything, you could criticize Secret for not being prepared enough for that uh, for that matchup um, in terms of their bans in particular. But, like, you know, it's a classic thing that Secret will do in a lot of strategies. They will give away heroes that your team likes because they think they have the solution, and this time they just didn't for once. Right. So, as far as Intel goes... <clears throat> this whole you played with this captain two years ago so you know how they think i feel like that's almost that's almost diminishing the complexity of the game right like just as much as your own ideas and your thoughts can develop so will those of the other captains so i think it's largely irrelevant to be honest but it's a good storyline that people love right you played with this captain now you're a captain what did yeah, you learn from that i feel like story? in I mean, obviously, it, it depends on each specific instance, but I've seen in traditional sports where that has mattered. Like something mm-hmm. has rubbed off on somebody that makes right. you know, a big difference. Or and actually in basketball specifically, not to go back to basketball again, but uh, this is the thing I'm probably the most knowledgeable on of anything. You have players that are traded mid-season and they know literally all the plays, right? So you've actually right. seen big upsets in the playoffs because the the other team has a player that was on their other roster uh, for basically the whole year that could just literally tell you what play they're running, like in crucial I, I can definitely see that being a thing. Um, in, in basketball, for example, it would, it would be way more impactful. It's like, compare, what's a comparison to that? It's like saying mid-TI, a player switches from one team to another, and then they play the next day, right? Right. That's just not what's happening. And the picks would be like the here. more prevalent than anything this right? is a guy it's also because this is a comparison that i'll always talk about when i compare esports to other sports is that our rules that changes all the time whereas the rules in sports it's a really big deal if the rules change at all mm-hmm. like so if you imagine in basketball you played under some other captain like you said you know their their play calls or whatever but then two years from then you're playing against their team and now you're the leader of your team but the ball is now a square or a, a cube instead of a, a sphere, and there's three nets. Like, does it really matter what you knew about that captain back then? And at that point, like, the game is too different. Well, you'd the know how to tilt them, theoretically. <laughs> I think the main thing you learn about is their way of thinking. But when it comes to the concrete strategies, they're too different. Like, Dota two years ago is so different from now that it's almost irrelevant. Like, right. it's not fully irrelevant. Sometimes heroes come back or strategies come back and you have like some sort of backbone where you're like, oh, against this type of hero or this type of strategy, this was played a lot two years ago. This is a good way of countering it. So if you learned that kind of thing from the captain back then, then great. Yeah, then you have like an approach to countering stuff. But that's not really what happened at least this time around. Uh, it was way more about just playing around your team well. Um, yeah. I think the most the most prevalent thing you pick up from other captains is just inspiration about how to lead a team in general. Like, how do you do good practice? How do you analyze replays? How do you motivate your teammates? That's the kind of stuff that kind of transcends patches, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the concrete strategy, not so much. Yep, that makes sense. Okay. So the next thing is the Dota Summit 13, which I attended yep. for a week in L.A., uh that was actually my very first time hosting 
believe it or not. I've done some like uh, spot. What is it like spot up hosting? No, like just temporary hosting, like for a segment or something like that for like Midas mode. And I don't even think I did it for Captain's Draft. I don't think, I think I you've ever done did it that. for Summit in the past as well. Like very Probably. brief moments, I would do it like yeah, for one or two like segments, segments or whatever. But yeah. this was the first time I was just doing it for the whole time. Uh, I did the end of EU and NA with BSJ and Jenkins. And of course, the great Pop-Tart on Observing. We <laughs> trolled the shit out of him, telling him to look at Roche in the middle of team fights and just randomly uh, just try to you know keep him on his toes and whatnot. And then the other shift was... SEA and the rest of EU with God's Lyrical and Tsunami. Lyrical cooked us dinner on the final oh, day. Very it was, nice. It was chicken wrapped in, I never get this meat pronounced correctly, chicken wrapped in prosciutto. Is that correct? Does that sound familiar to you? Yes, it's a type of ham. Okay, it was delicious. He made like mashed potatoes and yeah, it was it was really good. I believe it uh, might be pronounced... Proschiotto. Proschiotto! Anywho, uh, that tournament was a lot of fun. We can talk about results oh, now. Wait. This is the American pronunciation. Okay, prosciutto. they claim it's prosciutto. I don't know if that's the Italian pronunciation. Proschiotto! Okay, anywho. I have no idea how to pronounce it in Italian. But just like, you know the, you know the starter where you get bread with tomato and basil Ugh. called... Bruschetta. bruschetta yeah you call yeah. that bruschetta right in italian it's called bruschetta bruschetta so yeah. i would imagine it's just kind of a one-to-one -one with that with prosciutto and prosciutto but what what the fuck do i know that's it's right, probably so. or some, but some italian guy's gonna butcher us on the bottom that's what great. the fuck do you know that is right okay anyway that's me. uh the sca bracket ended with motivate i didn't get to watch any of the sca since i was sleeping during this time but motivate trust beat among us three zero is there mm -hmm. any is there any relation from motivate trust to myth trust? You remember myth trust? Yeah, I think trust is a peripheral company, right? They make, I think they make just gear, like mice and keyboards, right? I seem to remember there being a mouse at some point. With myth trust, I think it's a hardware sponsor, is it? Couldn't tell. Am I, you. Am I wrong here? It was, this one was formally named Trust Gaming. So now they just added the motivate dot trust gaming. So motivate. They need to motivate the sponsor. their sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the one I have zero information on. Uh, the EU division ended with viking.gg, which we've cast a lot of in the past. Yep. They ended up beating Team Liquid in the finals 3 1. Uh, that one I was just paneling for. I didn't cast it, but I did watch all the games. And Viking looked really good. Like Team Liquid in the tournament, it felt like they were kind of. What's the right way to put this? Not that they weren't... They were more experimental than usual, I feel like. Like, some uh -huh. of the drafts were really freaking weird, and it just didn't work out half the time. But they would, like, lose game one in series and just stomp the next two. But right. in the finals, it felt like they were... Again, I don't know how serious they were taking it. But either way, Viking, I thought, looked really good. Uh, I think Lakewood wants to win. I mean, yeah. they just I mean, came off a tournament to the win. Final. They want to keep going, right? Yeah. I don't see any reason they wouldn't be trying. Uh, I'm just... Like early in the tournament, the only reason I mentioned that is because I saw them do some weird ass shit. But they did make it to the finals, and then Viking just played better. So congrats yep. to them. Good to see a, a tier two team that has 
taken games off of these big teams that we've cast. Like we cast, I think the game they took off a secret back when they were kind of a newer team now winning a tournament. So that's really cool. It's kind of Europe is in this state right now where it feels like there's eight teams that can just take series off each other, which is really entertaining. Like we've talked about this before in the podcast where I think it can be really good for a game to have a top dog because that really drives viewership for their games. Like, you know, my I love to do parallels to tennis, as you know. But like, when for how many years have the same like, big Nadal. Players, the big three or four players have been really there, right? So that means when they play, people love to watch them because they're the best. And if they lose, it's a really big story. So it's like a win-win whenever they play the game. That's how I feel about Secret right now. It's like they're the best. When Secret plays, there's shitloads of viewers. And if Secret lose, it's a big story. So right. having like a big dog or two big dogs, but having them be mortal, I think is the perfect state for competitive Dota is that there's one or two teams that are better than the rest, but they can be beaten. Uh, That's kind of been the problem with secret, say three or four months ago. It felt like they couldn't be beaten, right? Like they were just stomping everybody. And now it's at a point where I think there's multiple teams that could beat secret any given day. And all of the teams that can beat secret could beat each other. So Europe Mm -hmm. isn't like a really good competitive spot right now, which is awesome. Yeah. Yep, very competitive indeed. And then NA, which has kind of uh, been focused on as the region that's kind of, well, NASA, I'm just going to combine them. We called it NASA, right. of course, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, but kind yeah, of focused on, on the region that has kind of been hurt the most by COVID. Like huge organization like EG, just we'll get to them in a bit as well, but non-existent right now. They've just not done anything. Uh, so essentially Quincy Crew has kind of been this team that has been, quote-unquote, the best team in NA because of the lack of EG. That's, of course, the one with uh, Yawar, Quinn, Lelis. That's a newer pickup, and MSS and SVG. So they were expected to win this tournament, hands down. Uh, But they ended up facing Team Zero, which is the most hilarious storyline, by the way, (laughs) which I have to... Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys up front. It has my friend Brax. I'm good friends with him, so I'm, I'm very biased towards them. But their story is so funny. Uh, cause I, I talk to Brax all the time. I play like Valorant and we hang out all the time when we're in person. Like even at the event, he came and hung out for a couple nights. He tells us stories. That it, <laughs> if I didn't know him, I would thought, I would think he's making this up, but apparently, so this roster, let me just, for the people that mm-hmm. don't know, Eternal Envy is position one. Rioya, who's been an NA staple for a long time, unlike these tier two teams, position two, Brax offlane, snaking four. And then Moo, position five. This is the same move from our Digital Chaos. He has never played position five until, what was it, like a month ago. Even in pubs, apparently, he does not pick support heroes. He still plays carry. And he's their position five. So they came into this saying, we're going to just do this for fun, right? And eternal envy apparently literally has not other than these matches has not played dota in weeks (laughs) he plays team fight tactics all day long that's all he does is play team fight tactics so they go into this tournament just no pressure brax revealed his god tier fucking strategy to us privately and of course we leaked it on the stream because it was just too good so if you think about this lineup right you have envy who talks a shit ton Rioya, I don't really know that much, but I've been told that he talks a decent amount. Uh, Brax doesn't talk at all. Moo doesn't talk at all. Snaking talks a lot. 
So you have, in theory, a good varying level of you know people that talk, right. people that don't. But the problem is, none of these people have been able to lead a team successfully in a long time. So Brax has taken it upon himself to do this strategy. In the draft, instead of having too many cooks in the kitchen, like, oh, I want to pick this, I want to pick this, he literally mutes his team, okay? <laughs> and then he goes with the strategy he wants to go. It's like, all right, this is where I want to pick position one, let's say. So I want this type of a hero. And then he lists like two or three heroes to choose from. He unmutes Envy. He's like, you choose one of these heroes. I don't care if you want anything else. You choose one of these three heroes. He picks that hero. Then he mutes him. Okay. And he does that for every position. And a lot of the times he ends up last picking his own offlane hero. But it fucking works. And the reason I bring them up is because they end up winning the entire tournament 3-2 over Quincy Crew. They were up 2-0 in convincing fashion. And then game three was a typical fucking eternal envy game back and forth they end up going for the throne and losing in heartbreaking fashion i actually thought that they would lose the series because of it they came out in game four looked like shit and then game five they're back to normal again so i genuinely think that they found like some sort of like special sauce as it were where what a roller coaster you're taking out egos immediately and you're drafting something that, you know, Brax is a smart guy. He's been in the scene a long time. And you're just making it work. So it was it was a There's pleasure. Strategy. The drafts look pretty solid overall. Overall, yes, I would agree. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, Should also mention, by the way, that this tournament had a lot of games in the NA division because there's a lot of teams playing. And in the group stage, Quincy Crew went 17-1 and in games. And then they lost the finals. Um, Team Zero went 11 and 7. So basically, Quincy for the whole tournament went 19 and 4, and three of their losses were in the finals. Or wait, that's not true. They did they have any other losses? They had one to Team Zero again. So wait, let me recount this. Let me recount this correctly. Well, I know in the Nin group stage, the one game they lost was to Team Zero. So they went 19 and 1, and then they went 21 and 2. And then they went 24 and 5. And every game they lost was to Team Zero. Yeah, that sounds right. So they lost five games in total only to the same team. And three yeah. of them were in the finals, man. Look at that. That's Rax is a fucking genius, man. What can I say? He earned it. Of course, the, player, the players all know each other quite well. So there's definitely some of that going into there, into that. But but yeah, it was uh, it was fun. It was fun seeing Envy play literally Spectre every single game. And then you never know if he's going to like go down tier four towers and just feed <laughs> or if he's going to just win the game. Rioja basically carried the last, basically that whole series was Rioja just owning on Lesh. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Very, very hype series. So congratulations to all those teams for winning. Um, oh, you know what? This is a random topic before we get to Dire Tide. This is, we can add this on to Suns Fan Recommends. And I don't even know if we played this together, Cinderin. Has anybody ever heard of One Night Werewolf? Have you ever heard of that game? Yes. Have we played? I have played it. I don't know if I've played in a game with you, but I've played it. So it's not like this is anything new, but this is not even remotely close. It's called One Night Ultimate Werewolf. It has an expansion and then a few other random ones. It's not even close. The best party game if you have like four, like five or more people. And I bring it to every single event. And it is so much fucking fun. 
I highly, highly recommend anybody that has actual real life friends to buy that game and enjoy yourselves. But I, the only reason I bring it up because I realized I don't think I've ever played with you, and I've been playing this game for years now. That's so crazy. So thinking twice, I'm actually not sure if I've played One Night Werewolf. I've played Mafia. I've played Werewolf. Mm. I would imagine I've played One Night Werewolf. I would need to see like the cards to just so see if... if you want me to explain the game real quick? Sure, go ahead. So One Night Ultimate Werewolf is literally one night. You have an app, and mm-hmm. you're, you're given roles... And then you close your eyes and everybody does their role based on what the app is telling you. And then you have five minutes. That's it. That's each. It's just five minutes and the game's over of talking. So you have like a robber stealing cards. You have troublemaker moving cards around, things like that. So that's yeah, I'm familiar. pretty sure I've played that. So the app sounds familiar. I think that might have been at one of the previous TIs or something that we played it. Yeah, it's a very pop. I mean, again, for those that I... This is the one thing that I know everybody will like. It's the, it, the reason it's good is because Mafia, I hate. I hate Mafia because people get so angry. But <laughs> One Night Werewolf, nobody gets angry because it's five minutes and then you move on to the next game. It's, you don't have time to get angry. <laughs> you don't have time to get angry. You don't you know? have to build up the tension enough. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, Not Mafia with Nahas. That's where it's at. I mean, that is, I never actually got the chance to play with Nahas, but uh, yeah. That's why I don't play it. So moving on to Dire Tide, which was released last week. It's been a week. How do you want to go over this? How do we dissect this? So yeah, I a mean, custom there's game. a lot, right? There yeah. is a lot to talk about. I think in the interest of not making this episode two years long, I think the main things to focus on are just the game mode itself, how it plays, is it fun? Um and Valve's changes to the market with the game. I think that's the biggest thing. And then we don't talk about any of the specific consumables. Or um, We can give our overall impression. There's way too many. There's so much stuff. It's well, like okay. an insane patch in terms of content for this kind of event. Right. Okay. So, so the game mode itself, do you like it? Do you want to explain what it is? Yeah. I don't know how we want to do this since it's a week. So people that used to play the old Dire Tide like seven years ago or whenever it was, the game is different. It's not the same Dire Tide, so they've remade the game. Um, the concept is two teams play against each other, five on five. You need to, there's two lanes. You kill creeps in them. You get taffies, which is candy, and you need to bring the candy back to your basket. And there's three rounds. You play best of five. Or sorry, there's five rounds technically, but if you win three rounds, you're done. And the goal is to have most candy in every round. And what happens is you fight each other over the candy. If you kill heroes that have candy, they drop it. And then Roshan is the wild card of the map who moves around and will target a player and ask for candy. And if you don't give him the candy he wants, he will curse your entire team and do damage over time like a global radiance for I don't know how long it is. It's a lot of damage. And the more Um, candy you hold, the lower your HP is. Yes, you get weaker the more candy you carry. Um, And you can pass the candy to your teammates. It's kind of a little bit like basketball. (laughs) You love that, don't you? Um, And then just like you need to dunk it in the basket in the end to win. (laughs) Um, That's technically true. What was I going to say? There's also a little bit of extra stuff. There's like some totems that spawn that you need to break as scarecrows, I think they are. And they can drop neutral items in addition to candy. So that's where you get the neutral items from. And it's just fast-paced. It's fun. And I think something that this game mode really has that makes it really, really good to play with friends is that I think skill difference matters a lot less than in Dota. Um, Because, first of all, like, the, the game is way more chaotic. It's way less about, like... 
exact knowledge about item timings and playing the map effectively and stuff because it's kind of just brawling you know people just fight all the time for kills mm -hmm. um so you just buy your items you go and fight you die you're dead for 20 seconds you come back and it's just non-stop action and it's fun and it's very relaxed it's great again i've played it a little bit with subscribers too i think it's great as a sub game if you want to do that yourself as well on your stream uh, it's very it's been good to me for that so I'm overall really happy with that part uh, of the game. I think it's very well made. Um, now, I don't know if you want to add anything to to that about your experience. Have you? How much uh, have you played it? Yeah, I've played like ten games or something like that. I obviously haven't played uh, during the event. I didn't play any, almost any Dota. Actually, I played a few Dire Tides with Jenkins, and he fucking sucks at this game. We literally <laughs> lost four verse or five versus four. The beginning of the game, we lost. Because of Jenkins. Oh, wow. Calling him out right now. That's really bad, Jenkins. Uh, so, a couple things. Number one, the game mode is... I'm trying not to be a negative Nancy because overall, like this whole update, I really like. But I don't actually like the game mode that much. It feels like something I would play a couple times and then just never touch again. That's just me. Uh, based on what I've been seeing, it sounds like most people like it more than me. It feels uh, a little bit to me like a spiritual successor to, um, what was it called? Overthrow? Why? Just Overthrow was actually really good. Like in the style that it fills in the game, right? Overthrow was a hero battle arena, nonstop fighting. You get coins, you buy items, you keep killing, and then you play until a kill counter. This is kind of the same thing, just that instead of having an arena in the center, it has two lanes. You play out in a similar fashion. And you don't play for a number of kills, you play for a number of rounds. It feels pretty like, do you know what I mean? Like the flow of the game and the casualness of the game, I think very much line up, in my opinion. Um, I guess yeah, I'm that, I'm sep I'm having trouble separating the two because the other one I just found like legitimately really good. But anyway, uh I now this I don't think this is there any reason why I don't like it as much as some other of the modes that they've come out with, but again, this might be in the minority. I'm not sure. I hate cell shading. I hate, hate, hate cell shading so much in every game. I never played Borderlands because I literally can't stand looking at my screen when I play it. Uh, right. but I know that I'm probably in the minority, but again. I'm not That's the biggest whatever. fan either, if I can be honest. I don't know if hate is my word for it, but I don't hate. think it's better than without. Uh, so I would one rather... Thing, one thing I do like, though, is... And we can, I guess, transition to like the chess system, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at first, I thought that you could only get the drops by playing Dire Tide, but you can get it by just playing regular Dota. So I appreciate that. I think that's good. Um, so... Several things can drop, which we're not going to go through all of them, but one is the main chest, uh, which you have to buy keys for. And let's put that away in another topic that we're going to get to probably last for Dire Tide, okay? Because I think that's the most that we'll probably talk yeah. about it. Sure. There's another chest that drops, uh, which actually Nikki has a set in, uh, Death Prophet set. It's like a Ooh. secondary thing. She, it's funny because she, <laughs> she wants it so bad, but she can't get it. She literally can't buy it. She doesn't have a self-made, so she right. can't she can't get it, which is kind of sad. Uh, you can get a courier. You can get random effects. I I saw a bunch in like during the tournament that I didn't know existed. Like swashbuckle, you can change to be green, like a not swashbuckle. The mm -hmm. 
lucky shot effect. Lucky shot, yeah. Now, the one I don't like is the ghost. Is it a ghostly effect that changes them blue? It's a cus- a costume. Right. So they're called shimmer bundles. So this one, I guess this just shows how far we've come in the cosmetic realm because nobody's complaining about it. It literally looks like a morphling replicate. And so many of the games I was casting had a morphling in it. So I was genuinely confused sometimes. But the idea is cool that you can just dress up your hero. Like the pumpkin heads are awesome. Like a lot of this stuff is really cool that can just randomly drop. So So aside from that, I guess we can just get into how they've done the chest because this is the biggest change by far to the chest system. I agree. So for those that don't know how... You can... Please, by all means, Cinderin. No, I was I was just gonna point out that this is it's let's let's explain the chess system first, I guess. So sure. the reason this is funny is that we're t- we're talking like it's a big change, but what it really is is a return to former glory, right? Like we had this system for a very long time, and CS:GO has had it for the entirety of the game. I want to say you get chests as drops for playing, and then you need to buy a key to open the chest, which the keys are only sold by Valve. And then once you have opened the chest, the whatever drops inside it is free to market immediately, which is really different from what we've had in Dota for a long time. And people have been asking for this for years. Please, when we get stuff out of chest, just let us market it and decide the value of items instead of tying them to the player account for a year and making them untradeable, which is what mm-hmm. every TI chest has been for. I want to say five years has been untradeable for like a year. Um, everything you get. Yeah. So... What has ended up happening is this chest has like 60 different items in different tiers. Uh, Some of them are way rarer than others. So I believe the rarest and most attractive set was the Sniper. I believe it's sold. These chests cost like, I don't know, is it two and a half dollars to open? And I think the Sniper sets that sold the highest sold for like six or seven hundred dollars or something like that. Um, Whereas the common sets sell for less than a key, which has to be the way it works or it makes like no sense, right? Then you would just open every chest and profit. Right. So uh, I'm a big fan of that over the limitation. I think it's super cool to allow people to trade items and to value them themselves and like make this a little game within itself to quote unquote play the economy. I think it's something a lot of people really enjoy. They got taken away with the battle pass for a long time. I understand why Vel did it though, but what do you think about this? Okay. Versus- so I have two perspectives, which is kind of the right. problem. So I have the okay. perspective of everybody else has, which is just a player, right? Mm-hmm. Where if I want to buy a set, blah, 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 which is great, which I'll talk about. The other one is from somebody that has an item in the game, which we do. We have a Viper set. So I'll talk about that as well. Because right. in Counter-Strike, I know a few people that get items in the game occasionally that can literally retire with the amount of money they make. Counter-Strike mm-hmm. is fucking crazy. So let's talk about it from the consumer standpoint first. Being able to market everything is great. You can buy whatever you want. You have more control over what you want, but it also makes it a lot harder to get like an actual drop that's very high quality because we kind of went over this or skimmed over it, but there's five tiers to the kind of drops you can get from this specific chest. So tier one is what our Viper set is in, and there's a bunch. There's like, I don't know how many, like 20 or something like that sets. Then you go to tier two, and it has those are just basic sets. Tier two, there's less. Let's say there's like 15 of these or something. Um, they come with ambient effects. 
and of course it becomes more rare as we go up. Tier three are immortals, so I think they're singular items that change abilities. So this was I was really surprised and uh, I was happy with that they're doing this, but it question it makes me question what they're gonna do for TI because this you have to, we've talked about this so many times, but I'm gonna bring it up again. Every time you come out with an item that changes an ability, it lowers the value of TI immortals. Would you agree with that? Mm, yes, I guess. I don't think it's that clear cut, but okay. There's there's a gray area for sure. Yeah, so sure. so the tier three items, there's like ten of those or eight of those or something, and then we get to tier fours, which are immortal sets, which I found. I don't know. There's like the juggernaut one. I think is pretty bad, like in terms of what it changes. And then the sniper one is just clearly the best. It changes two abilities. It, like everything about it is just on a different level than everything else. And then tier five is the ultra rare like emblems that just come in different colors essentially. Yeah. And I think if I was to name one cosmetic, the Poliwag Priest Shadow Shaman one that is tier three is God tier where the shackle is a tongue. It's literally from Han, like mm -hmm. carbon copy, exactly the same. So from a consumer standpoint, if I go buy a key, which I feel like I'm not as incentivized to do at all anymore, I have a very hard time getting a high tier set unless I buy a bunch, right? So mm -hmm. I'm better off just waiting to see how much or what drops for other people and buying it off the market. So more control is good. Now, the thing I do like about this as well is that Valve is obviously using this as kind of a test bed to see and then improve on. So I don't want to give like a final review on this. Right. But from workshop perspective, I can tell you right now, it's so far. And again, I know that we, you and I were part of the workshop early on. So our perspective mm -hmm. might be a little different. But the workshop has gone steadily downhill for the past like eight years or so. To the point where we get a set in for like a TI chest. It's like, okay, it's... It's a decent amount of money. It's not bad. Nothing crazy. This one that we got in is it, like super fucking bad. Like super bad. And I think the reason is you only get a percentage. And again, it's like a super minuscule amount. You only get a percentage for the keys bought, not for what's marketed. Which I guess explains that in a nutshell. So... so are you saying that the the percentage you get for this set, I don't know if you can disclose this, but do you know, for example, based on tier one, two, three, four items, what percentage you get compared uh, to your sets in the chest? Is it the same? I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything. <laughs> Fair enough. So I'm not going to say don't. anything. Right. Yeah, that's a gray area. So, But either way, like, again... Uh, the difference between like a chest like this that you're a part of versus the old system is the old system you get like a bunch of the money basically in the first couple days and then it just drops off completely. This one is extremely low but more consistent. So it's been about the same every day, but again, it's like next to nothing overall. Okay. But so I like the idea a... overall more of this versus the old one. So what is missing here that CSGO has for the standpoint of creators is that in CSGO, when you make a cool skin and it makes it into the game, it gets bought directly in the game, right? It's not in a chest. Or it is. It is in a chest. 
It's a, so, yeah, it's in a chest. So the people that make a lot of money in CSGO versus Dota, what's the difference? Is it a higher cut? Is it the fact that they get something when it gets sold on the market? Or is the like is it just the player base that buys more stuff? Like what's the it, difference? It's been probably eight years since I've known the answer to that question, so I've just forgotten. And I don't know if they've changed anything since then. Okay. So I'm not sure. Because Dota used to be extremely profitable in the marketplace too for creators or workshop artists. Like early on. People like the one that stands out that most people remember is Anuxi, who got a couple of sets in really early and even got like a full chest, I think, of her own yeah. in the game in 2012 or whatever. Made a lot of money off of this. Uh, and Valve slowly, like you said, changed the workshop model. Um, but if CSGO eight years ago was in a similar state, then obviously it would have also looked great back then. And maybe now it's also different. Um, don't know. It sounded like you had an idea of what was going on with CSGO right now. But if they have chests, I would imagine it's a similar system to this. People get stuff in the chest. You get a percentage of chests or keys sold. And I would imagine when stuff gets traded on the market that the workshop artists get zero in CSGO as well. But that's just a guess. Well, I I don't know if my memory's failing me here, but I, I feel like earlier in the workshop, the Dota 2 workshop lifetime or whatever, I believe that we did get a small even smaller percentage for the for people that buy off the market and now we don't get any i'm pretty sure okay don't yeah, quote me on that i'm i'm also. like 90 percent sure that that was the case at some point um but yeah anyway like overall like again i genuinely think that they're just look like you know valve is like this huge stat-based company right they're gonna look right. at this and they're gonna see okay we put X amount of sets in. These people made next to nothing. So now next time we're going to do it, we just do half the sets or whatever it is to allow them to actually make decent amount of money because right now this is pretty bad. But right. like the, yeah, system, really right, the system as a whole, I think, is infinitely better for the consumer. Makes it less exciting from like an opening chess standpoint unless you're a whale, though. And mm -hmm. makes it like worse for content creators because... You have to, again, it's not like you can just buy the keys. You have to get the chest as well, which is by playing them or buying the chest off the market you as buy well. buy the chest too. That's the thing, right? Is that yeah. I think that is really cool, to be honest, because it gives people that don't have the time or desire to play a, a large amount, it gives them a way of acquiring chests and it gives the people that really want to grind the game a way of making money. These chests, I believe, sell for like four to five euros, so like $6 or something, at least when I checked the last time. That's a good amount of money if you live in a country that doesn't have a high wage. Then it feels like playing the game for you during this event can actually be somewhat profitable or add that level of enjoyment where That's true. I'm I'm grinding this out and I'm getting something for it. Like I feel like I'm getting monetary value. And now the choice is yours. Do I want the money or do I want the item? And I think that's cool. And then the market regulates in itself what is the what is the average quality of an item worth? And right now, if that's four or five dollars for the chance to or six, whatever, like it's probably around five now, I think. Uh, if it's five bucks, then if you're a guy who's like, I love this event, I have a lot of disposable income, I think the sets are cool, I want to spend $100. Then you go and buy, what's that? Like 10 chests plus keys, 12, 13. And then you've done that. And the people that want to profit off it get to do that. I think that's great. I think the system of being allowed to sell chests that you farm is really good. Um, good instead point. of Valve holding the, all the power over, we supply you this chest, you pay us, and we choose the price. I think it's cool that the market can decide what it's worth. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Sounds like in chat, the price of the chest has dropped dramatically. I think last time I checked, it was like four euros and now it's down to two. Somebody said, I mean, even I so. can just check in the game. Actually, I'm just going to boot it up. I want to see what it's worth now. Even so, I think that's I think fine. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I'm going to reserve final judgment until the next time they do this to see if they make it a little bit more profitable for workshop artists. Right. But, Aside from that, overwhelmingly positive on all this stuff. And again, I, I don't even I don't care about the game. The game mode, I originally thought it was just going to be the game mode and nothing else. But the fact that they added all this other stuff on it is pretty awesome. Um, and it's also a test bed on how crazy they can go with cosmetics. And I think we are seeing when you can change something to literally look like a morphling replicate at all times, or adding a pumpkin head to literally every hero. They can do whatever. This is their green light to do whatever the fuck they want now. <laughs> like literally anything. You could go League of Legends. You could literally do anything. Han, change them completely. People, if they complain, it'll be the minority. This is the test bed, man. And you know me. For the most part, that's fine. Sounds good. So do it. Just to just to finish off on the chest thing, because I find it really interesting. Um, I think. I want to say four days ago, a chest was four euros and 20 or 430, 450, something like that. Now it's 250. So the market is obviously regulating and the price will drop because there's more and more chests available. So the sets become less and less rare. So again, this is a really big incentive for people to play the mode a lot right when it comes out to make the value. And then down the stretch, if you're somebody who doesn't care about getting the stuff really fast, now you get to see what the assessed value of a chest will be. A week from now, two weeks from now. I think the event lasts, right. what is it, until Christmas or something like that? So there's like plenty remember. of time to either bide your time or cash in early, whatever strategy you want to use for that. I mean, this is obviously the perspective of somebody trying to make money, right? Like most people just play for fun and enjoy it. But mm -hmm. like, that's what I love about this. I feel like it appeals to everybody. If you're casual that just wants some to have some fun with your mates and kill some enemies and maybe get a chest here or there, perfect. If you're somebody who's a grinder, you can really grind here and make some money or get some cool sets. And if you're a whale, you get to buy rare shit for a lot of money. Like, I just don't see a loser here, except like you said, the workshop artist potentially. But that's something you can tweak by changing the number of sets or the rarity or um, the percentage the cut, or anything, right? Yeah, uh, there's well, plenty of ways for changing. <laughs> but uh, last thing before we move on to the next topic, well, I genuinely do not remember this at all. Maybe you do. Why did they change it originally? Because like you said, it used to be like this. Huh? I, I, you mean away from this version? Yeah. To the crates or chests with no tradeability for one, for one year? Yeah. I think it was a combination of a couple of things. I think Steam was going through a tough time with uh, gambling regulations, mm -hmm. I want to say. Aren't they uh, still? They, maybe they are still, but I think the the landscape is a bit more defined now. Like that time was really turbulent because the, you know, the regulations of different countries came after Steam and were like, "Hey, this is illegal. What you're doing, you have to change it this way, this way, that way." Well, what about uh, Counter Strike then? I think Counter Strikes. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know what the model difference is between Dota and CS at the time. And like we've talked about in this podcast, it seems like at times it's two different companies making CS and Dota, right? Like. It's different people working on them. So it's perhaps it wasn't like a company-wide decision, but just a game-wide decision in the team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was part that, and then it was part the nature of TI and Valve wanting to um, make it more uh, exclusive in terms of TI. And then also they were going through a big wave of trouble with people getting scammed or trade like manipulating or abusing the trade system. So they put more regulations on trading, right? People were getting their accounts hacked and the items were just traded over to a new friend they just added immediately. And they traded over. Then they made trade restrictions. Then they made stronger trade restrictions. And then they made this like non-tradability on items for months or year. Um, I think the carrying element in this probably still the exclusivity i want to say was the biggest part of ti um but yeah okay i don't i can't tell you why like i don't think they ever made a statement of this is why we're changing it they just did it yeah it's just um, been so long that i i just don't remember anymore yeah. like i if i didn't even remember until somebody reminded me last week that we even had chests like this before yeah. in dota so okay Moving on, uh, roster updates. EG, I guess these two are kind of uh, lumped together, but EG announced that Ramsey's effective immediately. They are moving Ramsey's to a non-active position on their roster. We look forward to sharing further updates in the coming weeks. Uh, and that ties in, of course, to Knoxville tweeting out uh, the following. Heard from a variety of sources that the previously rumored three members of TI7 uh, through nine VP squad, no one solo and Ramses, along with Sumail and Zayak, have been scrimming together and will play together in Epic League season two. Yep. Thoughts on that potential roster? It's it's something, man. Like the skill is obviously crazy, right? They're they're some of the best players on every single position. Uh, having no one play supposedly offlane is probably a Pretty big change, though. Uh, we'll see how that works out. I'm assuming it's really? no one offlane. Ramsey's carry and solo. Uh, it's a male mid. Uh, Zayas will play four and solo five. Based on this is strictly based on no one's. Wait, zero. you said solo three. What do you mean? Say it again. Solo five. Solo five. Zayas four. No one three. Ramsey's right. one and okay. two. I thought That's you said what I solo think. three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I think no one is offlane is the same as everybody else. It's his hero patterns in, in pubs. He's playing offlane all the time. So uh, that is likely to be the case. Now, if you want to do that, overputting Ramsey's offlane and no one to carry is the question because they could also do that. Like, no one can play every core role. Um, I mean, and Sumail Ramsey's played, played offlane. Right. Ramsey's played offlane for EG. Sumail mm-hmm. played offlane as well. Right. So right. in theory, they can do any of them. I think out of these three players, what I would want to do the most is put some male mid. Like if you're if you're assigning the roles, give some male mid. I think that's the best way of using this tricore. And then on the other two, you can decide between the two options. But some male should just play mid, man. Like that is really where he shines. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like we've talked about this with communication. Uh, I, we're going to see how it works, right? It's four CIS players plus a, a North American player. So that's also very different. Uh, ping boot camps are really challenging right now. Let's, let's see how it goes. But like, I'm very hopeful that this roster is going to kick ass given some time. But it's at the same time also the type of team where you could see a roster change within a month, right? Because something just isn't working the way they thought it would. Have we heard Feels any rumors like, on, an, on an org of any kind? No, no idea. Okay, well... No right, so that's all the news we have. I mean, yeah, star-studded. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, Sumail has been on a bunch of rosters now. 
because their original statement was something like we're not playing or statement but from the leaked convo with um rotk i think they said they wouldn't play until new year right but this qualifier is about to happen so well he he also said they wouldn't he wouldn't coach until the new year so maybe oh did i remember it wrong I thought they said they wouldn't play until new year i think yeah he said they wouldn't play either but they are so oh, okay gotcha so we'll see yeah, yep. ROTK as potential coach. That a <laughs> uh, lot of language barrier there, but that does sound pretty cool. Not gonna lie. Okay, yep. uh, Twitch ads. Let's talk about Twitch ads, Cinderin. Which I'm sure during this broadcast, people have maybe gotten Twitch ads randomly. So obviously, a little drama here. Um, you're supposed to, as a partner, I believe it's in the fine print somewhere. You need to run X amount of ads every hour i can't remember what it is exactly mm -hmm. and obviously nobody does this right because it's a pain in the ass and people hate it uh and if you do people add or people run ad block so now they're starting to just run ads if you haven't ran them recently which means sometimes in the middle of a fucking team fight of a tournament you will get an ad and on top of that they found a way to get through ad block and if you are running it, it'll run your stream in 480p. So they're, they're coming up with all these crazy solutions. They're being very aggressive on fighting right. ad block in general and forcing people to use ads. Um, on top of all the DMCA music stuff, which I don't, yeah. it's not really, I, that probably is not really them. I mean, they've mishandled it a bit, obviously, but it's not really them pushing for it, I would assume. What are your thoughts so on, on this? So I think there's two parts to this, right? The one part is the combating ad block and the other one is the forcing ads. And we've talked about the forcing of ads previously on the podcast, I think a couple of episodes ago when they were starting to roll it out as a test. Um, I was of the opinion back then that I think it's really bad to force ads. I still am. I don't think that's the way you do it. I think you should encourage streamers to play ads. You should remind them. You should give them guidelines more clearly, not in the fine print, but, you know, integrated as a better part of the streaming experience to mm. encourage streamers to play ads rather than flat out forcing automatic ads if the streamers don't do it. There has to be some other way to do this that yields better results in terms of revenue generation than just forcing it. Um, that's the one thing. So still not a fan of that. As far as the ad blockers being stifled or forced, that's this is a different thing where... When it comes to ad block, there's like two camps or like maybe there's more camps, but let's say there's the people that feel like ads are intrusive and should always, you should always be able to avoid them. Like they ruin the experience. They shouldn't exist or whatever. Um, people that are just conceptually against advertising in general as a concept that think advertising shouldn't exist, um, that, you know, <laughs> uh, the product should speak for themselves and not need to be advertised. I feel like that's kind of a naive point of view personally. Um, and then finally, there's the people that are saying, you know what, I understand streamer needs to make money. Twitch needs to make money with this product. I'm watching it for free. This is a, a pretty small thing. I will watch ads. Um, and finally, I guess even more, there's the camp that have ad blockers on, but you can obviously add exceptions. So people that don't like intrusive ads, but love their streamer will add the streamer as an exception in their ad block so that they get ads specifically there but not all this pop-up shit or whatever that happens on other pages that they visit. Mm. Um, so like, it's kind of hard to just say what's right and what's wrong here 
Um, I think Twitch combating ad block is not new, but I think them doing it this aggressively, like you said, is a new step. I'll kind of hold my judgment on whether I think that's just flat out good or bad, but I don't think it's, it's not nearly as simple for me as the forcing of ads. I think there's a, I can more easily understand this, like targeting people to who are just flat out blocking advertisements entirely versus forcing them to play automatically. Because what do you really foster with this auto ad play? You make more people get ad blocks, right? That's what's happening. Is right. that if the streamer doesn't have full control over when ads play and they start playing during the game, people are going to be like, fuck this shit, I'm getting an ad blocker. Right. And now you're just ramping up the war between Twitch and the ad blockers of the classic virus versus antivirus. You patch it, then the virus patches, then the antivirus patches, and you're going to keep fighting this forever. Um, I don't know if that's a good battle for Twitch or not. But or of course, then there's like on mobile and TV, for example, like there's not, I'm sure there's technically stuff you can do to get ad block, but for the most part, 99% of people won't have ad block. So you're going to have these ads running at random times if the streamers don't run them regularly, right? Uh, it's just, it's like, you put a lot of pressure on the streamers and responsibility. You Obviously, they're still in control of being able to play ads when they want. But I feel like it's a bit... It's still in its infancy, this thing. So let's weather the storm and see what happens, right? Because some streams seem to be way more affected by this than others. Like True. in some streams, people are reporting, I keep getting ads mid-fight. And in my stream, when I ask people, they generally say, no, it hasn't happened at all. So I don't know if it's only the big streamers, like the really big streamers that this is rolled out to, or still in a test phase, kind of. You'd it's think they bit... would test on not big streamers, but yeah. I mean, I guess from my perspective, there's a few different ways to look at it. Um, like, first of all, why is why is Amazon pushing for this so much right now, or Twitch? Like, is there some something they've signed recently? Obviously, is making this a very important thing to get ads going, right? Which I again. I can understand. Now, from the perspective of the consumer, the the ones that you talk about who basically want uh, uh, this is going to sound a little. What's the word? Uh, this is going to sound. I'm not sure how it sounds. It's going to sound a little negative, I guess. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a definitely a segment of people that are used to getting everything for free, right? Which, like you, right. you call them a little naive, and yes, that is definitely a segment of people. But I think most people are willing to watch an ad every now and then if it's not intrusive. So right. kind of piggybacking off of what you're saying, like on my channel, not that I'm a big channel or anything like that, but I've literally never ran an ad before, I don't think, ever. Mm -hmm. If you integrate something, not only the dashboard, but something that you can add into like OBS, which 90% of people use anyway, where it gives you a warning saying you need to run an ad, and then you can just hit like a snooze button. That's the, what I thought about and it, yep. every time you hit the snooze button, it lowers the time until you need to run the ad again. So if it, like at its worst, if you're literally casting a game and you don't want to run an ad no matter what, you just keep keep hitting the snooze button every minute or whatever it is till the end of the game, and then you run the ads as needed. And I think over time, people will get used to you know how that works and how it's integrated, and both sides will understand each other to a degree. Yep. Um, so I, I do agree with that. And then as far as the ad blocks, I mean... Like you said, I don't think there's anything they can do long term, honestly, for computers. That's just how it is. But TV's mobile, it's not really that easy of a way to, to block ads. So they're going to get their, their money anyway. I'm thinking, so you're saying, why are they doing this now? Um, there could be a couple of reasons. This might have been something they've wanted to do for a while. 
the strategically best time to do this is Q4. So the end of the year, this is when ads are worth the most. So if you're going to take this fight, you'll probably take it when you have the most to profit, right? This is a, a company strategy to maximize profits. Right. And, and there's no mixer. There's no competitor, competitive or competitor anymore, right? Right. You're just fighting YouTube, basically, for streaming. Yeah. Like in reality, in gaming streaming, these are the two, right? Like there's a bit of Facebook here and there and stuff. But like in terms of numbers, there's it's, it's pretty close to a, is it called a duopoly? If there's two that have it, I guess it is. It's pretty damn close to that in gaming streaming, I would say right now. Uh, in the West, at least in China, and uh, China is a totally different story. There's way more competition over there among streaming platforms. But, um, but the yeah, crazy thing I, is, like, from a COVID perspective, like a normal company, I would understand that they need to make maybe they need to push for more money because they've been hurting. But Amazon, I'm pretty sure, is like crazy high in the stock. Like Jeff Bezos is literally richer than he's ever been before. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So well, I, he is every second. So that, that is true, but something must have happened recently that we don't know about. Like it's like the NBA again. I know I keep bringing up these examples, but this is what I'm knowledgeable in. If they mm -hmm. sign a contract with a like a TV, a TV contract, which is like where they get a majority of their money, they're gonna push for that really hard during that time to maximize profits. But something has changed this year with Twitch, right? And we just don't know what it is exactly. Yeah. No idea. I mean, this is the classic thing with every company, though, right? You want the growth. So if, if this is an avenue for growth for Twitch and for Amazon, they're going to do it, right? If they feel like this is a fight that is, they're going to win down the road and it's going to make their platform more profitable, then as long as the users don't hate it, then that's fine. But like you said, if there were more competing streaming platforms, this might be a way more risky move. Because you have a much bigger risk of losing audience. But I mean, where are people going to go? All of their favorite streamers are on Twitch and they're only there. So you're going to yep. just stop watching streaming altogether because of ads? Maybe. Some people probably will. Minority. Very it's a very minority. small minority and they can take that loss easily for the profit that they get. So, yep. Probably pretty Okay. Easy. Next thing on the list is a new game announcement called The Ruined King, a League of Legends story. We brought this up earlier this year about how Riot has been, they announced a shit ton of games for their 10-year anniversary, and there was an RPG, but they didn't really say anything about it, but this is it. They came out with a trailer, and it's called The Ruined King, like I said, it's so these are the fascinating things for me that I was not expecting. This caught me off guard. It will be available. I think it's in 2021. It will be available on the PS5, the PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Sex, Steam, Epic Game Store. What the fuck? So apparently this is made by a subsidiary company named Riot Forge. So I'm going to read their little blurb here and then we can talk about it. So Riot Forge was established in 2019 and is a player and developer-focused publisher with the mission of bringing the League of Legends universe to new players and platforms by delivering bespoke, completable games. What does that even mean, bespoke? No idea. Forge's debut title, Ruined King, will be released early in 2021. Uh, Forge is a publishing label with, within Riot Games that complements Riot's research and development program. 
Forge is focused on working with experienced studios outside of Riot Games as these games will be created and developed by our partner studios and published by Riot Forge. Each game release will expand the League of Legends universe and allow players to experience League like never before. So I know a lot of people hate League. I understand. I'm not a fan either. This is fucking insanely cool, though, that they're going to steps like this. The fact yep. that it's an RPG in the League of Legends universe. So think about, again, not to shit on Valve again. <laughs> Zero marketing from Valve. And League of Legends not only has crazy marketing already, that they're you know pushing this to young kids, and then it just creates like new generation after new generation. They're having subsidiary studios creating games in their universe and putting them on basically every platform. That's fucking insanely cool. That is so smart. Holy shit, Cinderin. Yep. They basically own an IP and they're using that IP. It reminds me of the um, like the comics universes, right? Where you have like Marvel have their IP, which is the characters that they have from their comics, then they make movies, and now they make video games. This is League that has, or Riot that has the League IP, they have the characters developed, and now they're like, how can we use these characters? They make Teamfight Tactics, so they make a different kind of game, and now they're making another kind of game, and supposedly they were also making an animated movie, right? That was one of the things they TV announced. TV series. TV series, right? It was just even a series. So they're just like, we have this thing that people care about and are invested in and understand the story behind, and we are going to use it to make all sorts of different content that people can enjoy. That's fucking awesome. Like, as far as like the technicalities behind this, like who knows like how fair the deals are and whatever, and if the studios are treated well. Like, we full on speculation. We can't say anything about that. But the goal here is awesome. It's definitely very very cool. Now, <laughs> you were sounded very surprised that this is going to be on Steam. But something you need to consider: League of Legends, when it comes to a platform. They couldn't make a good launcher for their own game for like 10 years. Yeah. Just the launcher. So how the fuck are they going to make a game? <laughs> sure. I mean, Valorant one. is in its own it's thing. Like, okay, I think yeah. we're just going to put it. These guys can have the platforms. We just have the game, right? Um, it's crazy, though, because Runeterra, I, I only played it in the beta briefly, and Valorant are their own clients, essentially. And they're not even, they're barely integrated at all with like, league they don't even have a chat system to like steam does yeah. to talk to each other like what the fuck they're like in the dark ages for something that's so basic but then on a marketing level they're like next fucking level compared to valve which is non-existent so yeah oof insane so i'm again i'm not a big rpg guy so i don't give a shit in the grand scheme of things but from you know overarching perspective this is fascinating that's a good uh, chance i'll try this if it looks good We'll okay see. then. You can give your Cinder and recommends or hates segment. <laughs> Cinder recommends not playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, final topic of the day. Xbox Series X, also known as the Xbox Sex, came out yesterday, the 10th. The PS5 will come out tomorrow, which is the 12th. And I feel like this is the first time that one of these like quote-unquote big console launches came out i didn't see anybody giving a shit about it am, am i crazy did yeah, you see anything i haven't even heard about this exactly nobody even knows it's out maybe they don't they couldn't find it they went to buy the new xbox and they couldn't find it because they were like i want this xbox and then they got the wrong xbox and then they were like this isn't new 
I mean, I, I wouldn't Indeed, be surprised. All the publishers or all the all the stores have ordered the wrong version hmm. and don't actually get the good one. It's possible. Or the new one. I don't even know if it's good, right? It's definitely uh, possible. To me, what's more interesting about this, I don't know if this is the norm because I'm not a very big console guy. Is it normal that the competitors release their consoles this close to each other? Yes. Okay, so that happens all the time. That is like two days apart that Xbox and PS comes out. I don't think their... I've ever seen it two days apart. I think it's usually like a week. Okay, but still really close. Yeah. Do you think it matters who's first? At this stage, no. I think people that want to buy Microsoft will buy Microsoft, Sony, Sony. What's that? You think people have decided in advance which one they want or if they want both? Yes. So it's not like, oh, man, there's new consoles coming out. Which one comes first? I just want to play this new shit. Um, Because that's what I was thinking. Like, If people genuinely care which one comes out first, how are they combating each other to get the first release? But it doesn't seem to be that big of a thing. So I mean, with only two days lag time, it doesn't matter at all. If it was like three a weeks, a month, sure, yeah. I could see. Especially when you buy Christmas presents for your kids, it matters a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but my assumption is, I don't know for sure, I believe the PS5 and Xbox X are probably all sold out anyway on pre-orders. So maybe that's why we're not hearing a lot about it. But at the same time, and maybe COVID... People don't want to go to the store. I don't fucking know. Like, I haven't heard anything. I had to it's research. Point. Yes. We're close to Christmas. Like, yeah. is this the prime time to release it versus, say, in two weeks? They. I mean, I'm sure they've done all the studying here. I'm just trying to understand why this is the best release date, not in two weeks. So When Christmas, people put out their wish lists and stuff, right? I think it's because they know that they can't uh, meet demand. Okay. If I remember right, it's always been in November, these releases. Mm-hmm. Because it's really hard oh, to find it in store for the casual purchaser, right? And that's what you want for Christmas. You want them to be available in the store because that's when people go out to buy their presents. Yes, exactly. So you want, right. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So okay. I had to look up what the games even were that were released on launch. And I can't remember such a pitiful fucking list on any launch console release in history i haven't looked at ps5 yet i guess we'll talk about that next week but the only one that is even remotely like recognizable to me is like assassin's creed which is like okay this, they made like the 20th game that's great it was like it was high on the streaming list uh, today because it was the first day or whatever but other than that it's like nothing i looked up fable there's still no that's the only one i'm even interested in there's no release date yet so i guess i gotta wait on that shit but again i'm gonna say this one more time the one good thing that they did, which is brilliant, is made almost all their games that will come out available on PC. That's fucking great. Thank so you. So just to clarify, we're only talking about Xbox here, right? Not the PS5 when you talked about the quality of games. Correct. PS5, I have no idea what the games are, but PS like PlayStation, you can't play it on the computer. There's no fucking way. So Microsoft is making all their money on the games, essentially. That's what they're banking on, which is pretty cool. So that is it. That's all I got, Cinder. So let's go to the mailbag. Yes. First question is from Sam D. Thanks for the podcast. Question for both of you. Now that neutral items have been around for a while and gone through some balancing, how have your thoughts of them evolved? Would either of you elect to remove them outright if given the option? 
I'll go first, Cinderin, yeah. since I know you'll give a much more eloquent and detailed answer. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I think that for the most part, the neutral items are much more balanced than before. I am still quite apathetic towards them. I don't think I would give a shit if they deleted them, honestly. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if apathetic is how I feel about it. I'm kind of... I think I would celebrate slightly if they were removed, actually. Oh, I, interesting. I understand. Like, even with all the balancing that has gone into them and the development and us understanding like the, the game better and better so we understand, there's still... I feel like it's very difficult to balance this concept fully. So to give you an, a really recent example that we talked about when we were doing ESL1 Germany was how big of a difference it makes to Timbersaw whether he finds the ironwood tree or not. So the ironwood tree is the item that allows you to drop a tree. Um, I think it's every... How many seconds? Let me see. It's I pretty low cooldown. It's like six seconds or something. Four seconds. So it has the exact same cooldown as Timber Chain with an 800 cast range. So this means when Timber finds this, he can play like there's trees for Timber Chain all game when he has this item. He can fight in the river. It completely changes the hero. It's one of his biggest weaknesses is territorial awareness, right? It's where, okay, if I fight here, I lose access to this. This item removes it. It makes the hero so much better. And how are you going to balance this? Are you going to lower the or raise the cooldown only because of Timbersaw? Are you going to remove an item that plants a tree, which is part of what makes this item fun and cool? That's hard to balance, right? It's similar to Craggy Coat. Some heroes really hate losing 35 attack speed. Others genuinely couldn't care less and they just get free 12 armor, like Io, for example, or uh, any five that just casts spells. Mm. Um, so by nature, the design of these items will be very varying. Like in some games, they will seem incredible. Other games, they will seem weak based on your lineup, your heroes. Uh, I think some of the best designs are the ones that always feel solid, but never feel broken. And that's just getting every item to that state with this complexity is almost impossible. And that once was my you do that, I mean, once you bring them to that level, they become very boring as well. Yeah, right? that's the other thing, right? So that was and my criticism even less about these them. items came out was that they're too uh, polarizing. Like, this item might be fucking crazy in one game and useless in another. And that's a problem because it's at the end, it's, it's luck. But it's like spread out, right? There's more drops now. You get four instead of the old three. The items have been balanced to be more evenly scaled. But still... Looking at it, just trying to be level-headed about it, I don't think they're a net positive on the game, in my opinion. I don't think they make the game better. I think on a casual level, they make the game more fun, and that has a lot of value. If you strictly look at, is the game quality better because of these items? I don't think so. So I personally would remove them if I was given the choice. If you said, you can remove these with no repercussions, I would do it. Uh, but I would be way less like, fuck yeah, let's get rid of them than I was half a year ago or a year ago, because mm. it's definitely better than it was back then but having I'm said that just a boomer you know so tier five items i would miss them i'm not gonna lie i know you they're wouldn't the, that's the thing they're the biggest culprits though in this right why you like, don't play 60 so minute games but they're impossible to balance mm -hmm. like there are lineups where pirate hat is garbage and there are lineups where it's insane and there are lineups where like for most for the most part like some of these tier five items, the ones that you want are Apex, Fallen Sky, and some lineups want Ballista. But you, you know, there's like within the tier, there feels like there's a clear tier list, right? 
The one you don't want. You don't want woodland striders most of the time. You don't want force boots. You want the big ones. You want the damage. You want the killing items. I will hard disagree with you on this one. So do you think the items drop? Let's hypothetical situation. The items drop. One team, any late game situation. Let's disregard the lineups completely. My team gets Apex, Ex Machina, Mirror Shield, and Fallen Sky. Your team gets Woodland Striders, Force Boots, Trident, and Book of the Dead. Do you think that's fair? Well, Book of the Dead sucks dick. I'll agree with that one. Uh, Ex Machina is more... I agree. Some of these still need to be balanced. And some of them are just... like Ballista is crazy if you have a ranged carry, essentially. And if you don't, it's garbage. And if you don't, it's garbage. I agree. <laughs> Pirate Hat, I think, is not that good, though. It's okay. Mirror Shield is... It's good, but yet you can play around it. I think the boots are actually among the best because that takes up a slot. You get rid of your fucking boots now for a neutral that's item. Fair. That's fair. Actually, that's put, fair. Put another item there. If the game goes on for another 10 minutes after these items drop, the boots are amazing. If it ends within three minutes, I still think they're pretty bad because you don't have time to buy the next slot, right? Right. I think Seer Stone on any ranged casting disabler is completely broken super good so i agree there's a, like book of that is still garbage they could literally just delete that and just think of a new one and ex machina is it's basically just a bkb refresher right which can be really good but so I, I, insane late game stuff i would miss the tier five items i think it's good to have something in the game that kind of accelerates everything even if it's a little bit unfair i know that's mm-hmm. going against the grain of what all is holy for dota and whatnot but from a pub perspective I can't right. tell you how many fucking games I play that are 60 minutes. Thank God they finally end because of these items. You have played how many games? How many tier five games have you actually played where you've gotten a tier five item yourself? Where I have got one, yes. one or two. Okay, and this is almost. This has been has it been a year yet. We're getting up there. Okay, so anyway. It's a ma- it's a major outlier. That's the thing. Like I understand that there's a very small portion of games that get to this state, especially at a competitive level. It's more like I don't know how to explain this. Like conceptually, are you against the idea that even pro games that play for thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars can, in the end, get decided by something like this? I'm not saying they do. I d- I don't think. I think it can be the deciding factor, and I think it has in one or two or three or four pro games where it's like, okay, this team got these items and the other one didn't, and it actually won them the game. Mm-hmm. Actually did. Uh, that does happen, but it's rare. Then the question is, do you think that's fine? Like, is that okay? It's like saying sometimes a game is won because PA blink strikes someone late game and gets two crits in a row, right? Like, that also happens. Yes. So there is an RNG element to this game. Everybody signs up for it when they play it on a professional level. You know there are things that are random. Runes. Uh, over a big sample size, it's about being the better team. But in any individual game, you can get unlucky. So as no, long as you I, accept that, that's fine, right? I can understand frustration from people that lose to something like that, but I actually think it's overall a net benefit to have something like a Tier 5 items where it just ends the fucking game already because nobody wants... Okay. The games are too long to begin with. Yeah, so what we talked about jokingly a long time ago was giving Roshan some sort of broken shit later on in the game. That's where I feel like I would be a bigger fan of that because 
then instead of it being an RNG drop from a neutral that can decide the game, you give Roshan number four or five something really big. You've already then, given him eight G's refresher. And... So I'll disagree with you on that one as well, yeah. because then there's too much focus on Roshan as opposed to, let's say one team's up by a lot, but you managed to hold on to 60 minute, a 60 minute game where they should have finished by then, then you might have a chance in the game to come back if these, if you get the better quote unquote neutral items from tier five. If you especially. held your base until 60 minutes, shouldn't you be able to smoke out and contest Roche? Unless you've like literally you're mega creeped and you're pushed into your base for 20 minutes or no, something it's, like that. It's much more difficult if you're. Yeah, I get it. It's obviously harder to contest Roche than to kill a couple of ancients in your jungle unless you have completely, again, you're completely locked down. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, this is the, the the overall thing is the trade-off. Casual fun and variety in the game for the average player versus pro Dota. Uh, so, you could technically, I don't know if I suggested this back then, you could technically have pro Dota played without these, but that's probably a bad look because it makes it looks like look like it's bad design if the pros aren't playing with them, right? Then you're basically saying this is not good design because we're not having them in games that matter. They used to be 70 minutes, to be fair. Yeah, they did. So we're gonna I'm gonna cut it there for the Patreon mailbag because we we're going a little over time. But we have a lot of questions going forward for the next few episodes as well. But having said that, I do want to bring up one more thing. I just want your opinion on that. I know people will shit on me for, but I did bring this up during the one of our panels during Dota Summit about things that I'd like to see. This one will sound very controversial, but just let me finish and you right. tell me what you actually think. The reason it's controversial is because it's semi from League of Legends. So, okay. And this is more from a pub perspective, from like an everyday quality of life thing. I think that when you kill a barracks, it should revive. At some point, unless you get mega creeps. So this does two things. This forces you to either get mega creeps fast and not dilly dally and fucking jerk each other off in the fountain or whatever you want to do, or it forces you to just end the game. What do you think? Like the timer can be like ten minutes. I don't know what the hell the timer would be. But what what do you think of that idea? I could see it. Um, you would only have the barracks respawn, not the tower, right? Right. Yeah, yeah I, could, I could definitely see a version that does that. I don't know if it's better, uh, but I don't think it would be terrible. Um, again, it gives the team that's behind a chance to come back from defending against the barracks disadvantage. That's inherently big. But at the same time, you also want to reward the team accordingly for taking barracks, which is one of the hardest things to do in the game. So I think if you want to let them respawn, it should have a long cooldown. Or the respawned version should be weaker than the original. That's also right. we, possible. We also, yeah, we discussed the possibility of the gold never changing once you get super creeps. You still get less gold forever, mm-hmm. even if it respawns or something like that. But yeah, just the yeah. thought, because I was thinking from like a pub perspective, again, I, I don't know how many, how many other people have my this issue, but I, the games just don't end when I fucking play. I don't know what it is. It's so annoying. Uh, so you want barracks to respawn so they don't end. Well, but this, I mean, would you disagree that this incentivizes people to actually finish the game instead of going back and farming forever? Well, it incentivizes them to try, but if it's hard, then they could just, the game could just equalize again. I, yeah, I don't know if, if it'll make the average game shorter that you make barracks respawn. That's just... It's debatable. It's true. That's flat out, I guess. Okay. All right. No clue. Well, that brings us to this two-week 
episode of We Say Things, Cinderin, during this two weeks, that you've had plenty mm. of time I have. to do whatever you want. God mm-hmm. knows you didn't wake up in time for last night's episode, so you had time then as well. Uh, have you seen In Bruges? No. I All right, not. everybody. It's been a real pleasure. We hope you enjoy playing with your Xbox sexes and <laughs> PS5s by the time we see you next week. Let us know what you think of them in the comments. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to type in the comments, Cinderin sucks. Thank you, everybody. Until next time, Suns fan and Cinderin signing out. Goodbye. Do it. Write it. All we say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening.